what do UFOs, the budget suites of America's, Wolverine, cattle mutilations, and Tom DeLonge all have in common? Well, they all have to do with the secrets of whatever is happening on some ranch in Utah. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. And this time, welcome to Skinwalker Ranch. Yeehaw! Harvard, the focus is on the skies. Astrophysics professor Avi Loeb co-founding the Galileo Project to invest in high-tech telescopes, infrared cameras, and specialized AI software, hoping to collect scientific data on the kinds of mysterious objects that have been spotted by fighter pilots who say they seem to break the laws of physics. Skinwalker Ranch really derived its name from a curse. The Skinwalker Curse has its roots in a feud between the Ute tribe and the Navajo tribe. At a time when the Utes were really aligned with the United States government and had sold many of their peers into slavery. A Skinwalker is essentially a witch that has chosen to put on the skin, essentially, or the form of what can only be described as a giant wolf. A skinwalker is something that exhibits superhuman agility and strength. Placing the skinwalker curse on this property made it a very real place to avoid. Hey guys, and welcome for part one of three of Skinwalker Ranch. Three parts, man. Three parts. I knocked it out of the the ballpark here. (laughs) (laughs) So... We are doing a multi-part series here because there's just so much to Skinwalker Ranch. We can't we can't shorten it. Otherwise, you're not going to get the full effect of why this place is so weird. And this place is weird. It's this place is fucking weird. <laughs> it's what started me in wanting to learn more, I feel like, because I knew a lot about aliens, cryptozoology and stuff. That's what I grew up loving more than true crime and stuff. But then I heard about this and I was like, well, I'm in the rabbit hole now. Got to just keep going deeper. Get these, these episodes are the reason why Athena and I are here. <laughs> And Corey, really. Yeah. This oh, is yeah. why I think this is the reason why Corey and I even became friends. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Because we were talking about it on. I I read the. Yeah. Whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. So this really came full circle. Why the podcast exists. Thank you, Skinwalker. Or thank you, whatever's on Skinwalker. <laughs> so I did want to preface before we actually start today, because I feel like it's just out of respect. I want to mention. That the word indigenous comes up in the beginning part of this episode. And that's kind of like a really slang term. And it's it sometimes can offend people. And Kylie and I never have the intention to offend people ever. That's literally something that we would never do. But with these quotes, they're coming from the book. And it just gives the appeal. Or not the appeal. It gives the uh, uh, offense that they're trying to throw it as. They're like, oh, they're. They were just the the indigenous people of the land. You know, we didn't have to respect them. Mm. So it really shows how they treated these people. And that's why we left it in. At any other point in the story, we actually changed the word to natives because we think that's a lot more culturally respectable. So it's historical, but not intentional to be offensive from our from our end. So we wanted to just 
thanks for understanding, guys. We know you know that we have good intentions in this. So, I guess we we should really tell them what Skinwalker Ranch is. Some yeah, people what don't is, even know. What is it? <laughs> tell me more. So, Skinwalker Ranch is a 480-ish, you know, give or take, acre ranch located about 3.5 miles southwest of Fort Duchesne. It's also southeast of Ballard, Utah, so right in the middle of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it is west of the Unita County area, which is bordering the Ute Indian Reservations. All this is like a bunch of randomness. It's like, what does all that mean? I'm just trying to give you a disclaimer. This is literally a ranch in the middle of nowhere. It's so big. And it's huge. It's <laughs> surrounded in all sides by Indian <clears throat> reservations, which you're going to be like, why is it surrounded in every direction, but it's not part of an Indian reservation? Well, that's what we're going to go over. Yep. Because if you've never had a history lesson before, the U.S. loves to do this um, thing called displacing tribes <laughs> and displacing Native Americans. And you've guessed it. That's pretty much what happens here. So we really need to get into today's episode and who the first set of buyers of the ranch is. Let's go. So throughout the story, I'm going to be calling it Skinwalker Ranch, but I also have to call it Sherman Ranch because it wasn't always called Skinwalker Ranch. And that kind of already is a test of this being an Indian reservation thing because of what Skinwalkers are. So the Skinwalker name came to be derived from legends of Navajo folklore. The Navajo legends in the Skinwalker are actually forbidden dark legends that are not really supposed to be talked about. So let's talk about them real quick. But they're awesome. <laughs> so we're going to talk so about them. this. Um, <laughs> yes, as many like folklore are, they should be dark and forbidden. Skinwalkers are a creature very similar to werewolves in the way they look, but they're actually supposedly these evil witches that can transform and shapeshift themselves into creatures of their choosing. They're said to be formed due to many different things. You can become a skinwalker be, by means of necrophilia, cannibalism, or doing harm to a family member. Like if you kill a sibling or harm a cousin, things like that. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah, I definitely had never heard that either. And I thought that was really weird that was it that common to like kill and maim your siblings and cousins? I didn't even like think of it. That <laughs> I just, I guess, thought it was like, you know, someone put a curse on you or something. That yeah. makes the most sense. Yeah. Well, um, you did say that they were like witches. So, you know. But that was the skinwalkers <clears throat> were witches, not right. the person. I was thinking that I'm a witch and I curse you to be a skinwalker. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like from witches. Like oh, okay. not yeah. from doing evil deeds. Yeah. Well, once the skinwalker is exposed, it dies. So instead of getting exposed, it will often try to kill you before you can expose them. They also blow this stuff called corpse powder in the face of someone who knows that they're a skinwalker. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It's crushed dust created from one of the dead. Lovely. That's exactly what I want blown into my face. <laughs> corpse powder will cause you to have convulsions. Your tongue turns black. And you will slowly and painfully die. Sounds delightful. It just sounds like a good old Friday night. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so according to the reports, skinwalkers had been seen in the area by the Ute tribes numerous times with repeated sightings of human-like creatures that have led them to invoke the name skinwalker. But you have to remember, the skinwalker is a Navajo name and it's a Navajo thing. 
So you would think like, oh, so the Utes and the Navajos were like chill dudes living together in harmony. <laughs> chill dudes. <laughs> no, they were actually really unfriendly uh, to the point how where, it works. yeah, the Navajos actually had Ute slaves that they would kidnap and keep. And it caused a lot of conflict as that does. That seems, <laughs> that seems very hypocritical of them. Very much. Well, as this was happening, the Utes believed that the Skinwalker president president's presence was here in the Unita Basin that would extend back at least 15 generations. They said at least for 10 to 15 generations, they thought they saw these skinwalkers here. They don't believe the skinwalkers live on the ranch, actually, though. They believe they hide in a place called Dark Canyon that's located near Skinwalker. So why I brought this up is because it's almost kind of funny, I guess, <laughs> that we call it Skinwalker Ranch because of the Navajos. Mm -hmm. But the Navajos live 400 miles away from where this is. They the Navajo? Yeah. The Navajo Nation is 400 <laughs> miles north. And where this actually is, is the Ute Nation tribes. Like 400 miles is a long ways away. Yeah. <laughs> and we're calling it Skinwalker Ranch. Like in your mind, you think of like a big map and you're like, okay, the middle is Skinwalker. And then you have all of these different tribes surrounding of Ute it. Ute tribes. Right. But like, it's not like that. The, this is like miles and miles away from each yeah, other. And the, this and place the ranch, is already 400 miles big. Right. The ranch is 480 acres. Like that's fucking huge. And the most disrespectful part is the Utes had beef with the Navajos. And then you're going <laughs> to name it after the Navajos when right. it's in Ute tribe region. Like, come on, y'all. That's just disrespectful. <laughs> And now everyone calls it Skinwalker yeah, Ranch. It's, well, it's trademarked now. Yeah. You'll find out in part three yeah. how that came to be. But I just, I had to put that in because it's like, y'all did the Ute tribes dirty. <laughs> you really did. Well, the Ute people do say that it's close enough within those 800 miles that the presence of the folklore creatures could visit. And that's the things they think they see. And that's why it's called Skinwalker Ranch. All right, I guess. <laughs> so... What are these things we're seeing? Uh, so I guess we're going to start talking about the weird stuff we're seeing and why it became Skinwalker Ranch. Because it wasn't always called that, as we've alluded. We're going to start this off going all the way back to the 1770s. It's so far away. It so, sounds fake. Yeah. <laughs> so the earliest events of paranormal happenings at the ranch began in 1776. This was during the Dominguez Escalante expeditions. So it was a Spanish journey of exploration that was led by two Franciscan missionaries named Atanasio. Antanasio. Antanasio. Okay. Antanasio Dominguez and Sylvester Velez de Escalante. The trip began on July 29th in 1776. It was done by the two priests and a group of 10 men through a six-month expedition. The expedition was to try to find a safe, simple overland route between what is now Santa Fe, New Mexico, and the Roman Catholic missionary area near what is now Monterey, California. The Spanish colonists were the first European men to travel through the Colorado Plateau, through Utah, and through Arizona and New Mexico. There was also a man with them named Bernardo de Mira e Pacio. Wow. Did I do good? Did that sound right? It sounded right. I think it's probably Pacheco. Okay. I don't know. 
I think that was the best without a fault. I like read it off, though. <laughs> yeah, you were just like, boom. <laughs> I knew this one, which is weird because I actually haven't heard that one out loud. So that's the only nice. one I don't really know. <laughs> I just like saying the Escalante last name. It's fun. Yeah, that Escalante. is a fun. Yeah, that is a fun. Escalante. So uh, Pacheco, how did we decide? I'm sorry. What was it? Pacheco. Pacheco. Okay. Pacheco was the expedition's cartographer. And he did travel in the group with Dominguez and Escalante and the other men through these unexplored portions of the American West. They were inhabited, but they were unexplored. Keep that in mind. Think Christopher Columbus right here. Right, I am 100% thinking Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) That's exactly what we're doing is we're doing a Christopher Columbus moment here. Now, in the book, it says they were aided by three indigenous guides from the Tempaganos tribe of the Ute people starting on August 13th, 1776. So the Ute people helped this exploration. That is an exploration, exploration. Mm -hmm. That is another thing to remember. Again, we keep doing this tribe dirty. Just, (laughs) just be aware. Oh my gosh. It's so annoying. I hate it. So during these travels, it was argued because Escalante kept a journal. In this journal, he used some of the cartographer Pachico's paperwork And he mapped out everything. He wrote about like minerals and ores they were finding, food that was growing in the area, the types of animals that were there, whether they were edible, how hard it was to kill them. He wrote about the tribes they were seeing, if they were friendly, if they weren't, like literally anything and everything in between. He had more notes than I do. Please laugh. Wow. (laughs) That was a joke laugh. That's a lot. That's a lot of notes. (laughs) So his writings, though, is what started this because his writings have become a big interest to paranormal enthusiasts, especially in regards to Skinwalker Ranch, because part of the area they traveled through is what would later become Skinwalker Ranch. Now, here's where it gets already really messy. The story is super messy all over Skinwalker because it's on accounts from he said, she said, telephones, things like that. And we will describe how they get messier over time. But this one, Sylvester had this diary, Sylvester, sorry. And in this journal, people say certain pages are missing now because there's pages that are missing from when they were in Utah. I read the online transcript and there are pages missing from certain parts, but they look more like kind of just like it maybe was a blank page that went missing. There's no breaks in between any of the stories so i can't say for sure whether i believe the story or not but what he says is that he witnessed strange fireballs over the campfire in el rey by utah and that these fireballs came shooting through the sky and they were unknown and they would hover in the sky and things like this this leads you to believe ufos right or something living in the sky something if you go to the skinwalker ranch website There is his journal, but again, pages are missing. So it's really hard to say whether this is true or not, because it could be something to make the story more interesting, but also it could be that this was something that was bought by one of the many people that have owned things from Skinwalker. Or are they actually missing or maybe that's how he just like stopped writing writing. at times. There's so much to be said about this one small scenario. Now, there's another possible solution, though. So, Kylie, we've talked about California before. Do you know where Borrego, California is? Nope. 
I've, I've never heard of it either. I didn't really look it up on a map. But there is a story about Borrego, California, which is on the route they were taking, remember? Mm-hmm. And these fireballs are something that's similar to be witnessed very often in Borrego. It's a phenomenon that is reported throughout history still to this day. Like, I think the last one was in 2019 or 2020. Very recent. That's fun. And it continues to baffle people. And it's called the Ghost Lights of Borrego. We could maybe someday cover it. We'll look into it. We'll see. Yeah, we should cover it. That'd but I've never heard anyone else cover it yet. And I don't I don't know a ton about it. I just watched a YouTube clip about it to understand why these men thought they were seeing fireballs. It's a pretty interesting concept, but it's a potential solution to what they saw. So the moral of the story is that we need to go to California again. <laughs> <laughs> and we need to travel through Utah and find a way to sneak onto the ranch. Oh, my goodness. Which is nearly impossible today. Again, you'll find out in part three. See, I, I'm, I'm telling you guys, you just got to listen to all three parts. <laughs> so this route that they were cr- trying to go through, I did want to let you guys know, it actually never got finished. Well, it did get finished, but not by these men. They ended up turning around because of all the hardships these men suffered. And eventually when it did get sh- finished, it's the template for the old Spanish trail. Oh, OK. I just, I just didn't know that in history. And I found that out and I was like, ah, cool snippet. Now, during the time of this event being created, and this event, I mean the journal, they wrote about how they found a lot of ores and minerals, remember? So the U.S. government wanted to do the thing they love to do and utilize this for money. They found out that if they broke ground over there, they could get a lot of natural resources. Oh, okay. They were like, we got to break ground for the sake of discovering more minerals and ores. And they're like, well, it's a good thing these Spanish people uh, discovered the land, you know, quoting that discovered because they wrote about it first, even though there was clearly people living on this land. So before these Europeans had discovered the land, the native people that occupied the Unita Basin were the Ute tribes, and they were the people that helped during the exploration. Now, we fast forward during the 1880s. And at this point, the government decided they're just going to relocate the people living in this area. Of course. <laughs> of course they are. It's a tried and true story from the U.S. government. Something's in your way, relocate it. Right. <laughs> Solves everything, apparently. So they relocated several of the Ute tribes to an area that is the basin area surrounding Skinwalker Ranch. And this is part of the area that the Spanish people had discovered. So in the 1800, the Ute people had lived in Colorado mountains for over 500 years and they were being moved. They were being moved partially because of the Kit Carson Treaty. Why do I know that name? So this was a history thing that you should know. Yeah. But we don't remember this because you probably learned about it in like fifth grade. So I'll give you a fast yeah, recap I was gonna say of the like event. Seventh grade, maybe. It was a treaty the U.S. government had called the Kit Carson Treaty in 1868, and it was negotiated between the agents of the U.S. government, including Kit Carson, who was the leader of it, and seven other leaders of bands of the Ute tribes living in Colorado and Utah. The treaty had called for the Utes to have a massive reservation on Colorado's western slope. In exchange, the U.S. government gets the Central Rockies so that they can discover minerals and ores to give back to the Ute tribes and to keep. I'm going to give you a hint. They didn't give anything back. No, no, they didn't. So the treaty proved that it was very important for the development of the minerals near the mountains. 
but for the Utes, it actually was a major step towards their removal from the area. The U.S. government had failed to fulfill the treaty's obligations, and instead it led to the Bloody Meeker Incident of 1879, which involved the Union Colonel founder, Nathan Meeker, who removed most of the Colorado Utes from the early 1880s. He requested the federal troops to keep the Utes from leaving the reservation to hunt. He would starve out their animals. He plowed through their pastures and sought to describe the Utes' century-long relationships with horses. So Meeker's treatment of the Utes got to the point of no turning back. So in 1879, when the incident happened, the bloody Meeker incident, the Utes killed Meeker and 11 members of the agency staff. That resulted in everyone being like, yep, we're officially going to remove the Utes from Colorado and we were just putting them in a reservation. So that's why it sounds familiar, is it was part of something we learned, but... Ages ago? <laughs> like, who's going to remember all that? No. If you did remember it, props to you, and I hope you are proud I hope you're in your history, history now, lesson. yes. Yeah. You deserve to be a history teacher, but uh, <laughs> one that makes a lot of money. So back on track, now that you remember how they got displaced, which I, like... You and I just agreed. We remember that from history class, mm-hmm. but I had no idea it was also due to all this. Like, I never heard about yeah. the Escalante. Well, visit. they're not going to teach you about Skimwalker Ranch <laughs> in high school. I just, so. I didn't even know that that's how the Rockies were discovered, though, was right. the Spanish explorers. I just heard about the Kit Carson Treaty. So that's kind of mm-hmm. weird, the parts that were left out when I was a kid. Oh, it's probably worse now. Oh, yeah. And they have so much to teach about what's happened in the past few recent years. Mm-hmm. Uh, History classes are probably insane. <laughs> I'd love to just sit in on one. <laughs> I would love to like hear. So I, I, my niece obviously was not born before 9-11. And like sometimes I'll mention something. I'll be like, blah, 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 before 9-11. And she's like, no, it's, it's September 13th, Athena. You know, like mm-hmm. it's after 9-11. I was like, no, 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 the 9-11. She's like, oh, which one? I'm like, what? <laughs> no. Because she's not old enough to have learned about right. it yet, but yeah. also she understands what 9-11's date is. Like it's is. an event. Not... Yeah, and so I'm like, oh no, kids are born and after 9-11. And they like, don't, yeah. Yeah, it's like hard for me to grasp that because yeah. I'm old. Well, you know what else is old? Kit Carson Treaty. <laughs> <laughs> I was not alive during that, no. Okay. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so following this, um, in 1886, the U.S. military built Fort Duchesne. Now, Fort Duchesne is a community area developed within the Unita Ure as a reservational area, and they put the Ute tribes here and forced them to live on it. The headquarters of the Ute Indian tribe is actually still located there, though. Hmm. Now, today, what is known as Skinwalker Ranch has boundaries touching all of these reservations. So that's we kind of hollowed out a circle in the middle of all this, and that's (laughs) what became Skinwalker Ranch. Now, hopefully you didn't skip through all that, but I will sum it up just to make it a little bit easier to understand. The Unita Valley Reservation was created for the Utes on October of 1861 by President Abraham Lincoln. And what happened was it became known as the Omcombre Reservation, which is commonly called the Ureas Reservation. It was created in January of 1882. So by 1886, the two reservations were merged to become the Unita Ure Reservation, and it surrounds Skinwalker Ranch, but is not technically a part of it. It is the surrounding area part of it. 
That makes sense, right? It does. Okay. It does. But I needed it, I needed that. <laughs> but it also, it's kind of, you know what this reminds me of? Lake Lanier. Yeah, no, I was thinking that too. It has a really morbid past. Yeah. And you're like, okay, nothing good's going to come here. Forced by the government. Yeah. Like, yeah. N- I feel like things on old forced reservational areas of displaced Indian tribes isn't always a good place to start building things. Maybe not. Toxic. (laughs) Kylie, do you know a lot about Lake Lanier? Yeah, I do. It was our bonus episode. Oh my God, we covered it? It was the first bonus episode. Oh my God, so they can go listen to that? Yeah. Oh, you guys should go (laughs) listen to that. Lake Lanier, ooh, it's good. It's It's also a multi-parter because Athena couldn't keep the notes short. It's crazy. It might be my second favorite thing to research besides Skinwalker. I just can't believe, like, I, I don't understand the lack of common sense with the government. Oh, yeah. I don't understand how Lake Lanier is not shut down. Let's just drain it. Yeah. It's trying to drain itself. Let's start. Let's, yeah, let's start over. Start <laughs> over. Redo. Uh, at least... At least with Lake Lanier, we were able to cut it down to two parts. <laughs> I can't do that with Skinwalker. That's the only upside to that, no. that portion. <laughs> well, getting back into Skinwalker. Sorry, we got derailed. <laughs> we're going to move on to the next portion of what started happening at Skinwalker because we haven't gotten into the really weird things yet. We've gotten into the more like how it came to be. So we need to start talking about why it's mysterious. We're going to go through the years 1905 to 1993. I know that's a lot of time, but it's getting sold a million times, and we're going to try to make it as easy to understand as possible. So we're going to start with the Ute chief leader named Monk Shavana. Shavana. Then the Listers, the Bentons, and the Myers. Let's get into it. In the years 1905 to 1916, the land was owned by... Monk Shavana, who is the Ute chief leader. So during this time in 1905, John and Emma Myers settled on the land and built the first homestead. There isn't a ton known about their history or lives at the ranch, but I'll try to go over what I could find because here and there you get a few little sprinklings. The ranch first consisted of a few small buildings, including the first home, which was on the northwest corner of the ranch at the foot of Skinwalker Ridge. Okay, so like the northwest corner has the craziest stories and paranormal occurrences actually end up occurring near this area, right? Yes, that's actually the spot where they talk about when they later make a quote being like, the veil of reality is thin, which that is a fucking teaser if if nothing (laughs) else. Yeah. That's the corner of the ranch they're specifically referring to is the northwest corner and like the western quadrant. So when we talk about things happening, if it happens in the Northwest, we'll we'll give a shout out to the Northwest because we, we got to remind you how weird this spot is. So in the original homestead, it ended up getting abandoned by the Myers and they started a new home on the eastern side of the ranch. Now, I said we don't know a lot about them, but you have to wonder why they completely abandoned one spot and built a whole new home because building homes was not easy at this point. And right. It was very expensive. But no one can figure out why. Maybe they did see something. Maybe the crops grew better in another area. Maybe the cattle did better in another area. We can't figure out why. But if someone could solve that, I feel like that would also give a lot of headway to what we're thinking happens at the ranch. So during the Myers time at the ranch, 
there were reports of disrupting events that happened. They weren't reports from the Myers, though. It was reports that during 1906 and 1911, there were underground rumblings or explosions that are unexplainable that happened all day and all night. Hmm. Talk about a really bad alarm clock. Right. <laughs> That's all we know, though. That's everything. So at this point, it transfers ownership. The ranch was sold in 1914 to a man named Henry Lister, and he kept the ranch until 1945. Henry Lister was a military man who lived on the land in some of the old Ute living tribe areas. In 1915, there was a story involving a man named Christopher Locke. I want to real quick tell you who Christopher Locke is. He is Benton Locke's grandson. Now, I at the very beginning mentioned the Locks. Benton Locke later becomes one of the owners and had homesteads on the property. So how it kind of sounds is that maybe Henry Lister owned the ranch and that Benton Locke lived on the ranch and him and his family were ranch hands. That's kind of how it seems. Mm -hmm. I might be incorrect, but I can't find the true nature of how everyone had these homesteads on the area or maybe they were leasing part of the ranch. It was a really older time, so it was common to have other people borrowing parts of your ranch if maybe they couldn't fit all their cattle on their land, things like that. But a lot of these stories involve Christopher Locke, so I did want to bring in his relationship to everyone. In 1915, his first strange occurrence happens, where he said a strange visitor appeared on the property. He was dressed normally for the time period until they realized he was wearing a dazzling slash sparkling blue jumpsuit peeking out from beneath his clothing. Okay. You know what I'm thinking of? What? Um, Dayman from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I don't watch that show. You oh, ask me no. almost daily that it, and I do not watch that show. I don't even think it's blue, it's silver, but I feel like this makes sense. I wonder if it's legal for Corey to put a Dayman clip right here. Dayman. Oh, I dropped Nightman. No. Well, now you just, you, you gave him what he needed. So in my mind, I'm picturing Dayman, but like more blue toned, just running around the ranch. Not normal. I'm thinking, you know, what I'm thinking of I'm thinking of um, Star-Lord's father. <laughs> oh, God. What is his name? I don't know. Dang it. I don't remember his name. Uh, it's something that has to do with like Earth or something. Yeah. Like a world. Yeah, I don't. Drats. I just, this does not sound like something <laughs> normal that you would ever see at any point, like a man running around um, looking at. It just, it just sounds fake. Ego is his name, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Christopher and his family said that they sat down with the man and talked for a little bit. He asked for water. Everything was normal. It was just a fine event. However, when the strange visitor went to leave, he made a, no a note and said, don't dig on the property. He told the family this. I really want to know how he told them that. Whether it was ominous or just yeah. like, hey, you know, like, um, you know uh, don't dig on the property. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot to mention that. <laughs> don't dig. Also, nope. interesting that he did speak the same language as them. Yeah. That is 
This reminds me of Men in Black type stories. Yeah. And I'm not talking about here come the men in black. I'm, I'm <laughs> no. not. I'm not Will Smith in it here. No. <laughs> the story of the men in black. There's the one where he goes to the house and the woman asks. He asks for like tough meat and she like burns it or whatever. Yeah. Things like that. And they warn people of things. That's what this reminds me like of. Like awkwardly. Mm-hmm. Super socially awkwardly. Where it just doesn't make sense. Right. This encounter was so weird, just like Men in Black encounters, to where the story just keeps getting passed down generation to generation because they were like, why did this odd being deliver this weird warning about the land? I wonder if he is a Men in Black and we just like don't know it. Like they were like... um, What's the word I want? Like evolving into figuring out like how they could look more like human, you know? Which is something men in black do. They yeah. are super close to human, but not human, which is a concept that weirds me out. It's also similar to the uncanny valley effect mm-hmm. that we want to cover with our friend as a guest spot. We really want to talk about the uncanny valley because we think it's another paranormal vibe that leads us closer to the men in black concepts. So with this starting to be one of the first stories talked about at the ranch, people thought like, okay, there's something weird going on, but we can't really place it. That could have just been a story. They needed more concrete proof. So the alien said, okay, bet, watch. (laughs) (laughs) Hold my bear. (laughs) They they were like, you want some proof? Cattle mutilation. (laughs) And I'm not talking about the band Cattle Decapitation. I'm talking about cattle mutilation. Mm -hmm. These were some of the first reports of cattle mutilation on the ranch. It was in 1930, again by Christopher Locke. The cows were found with their eyes, tongues, and sexual organs removed. Kylie, you feeling a little squeamish over there? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Sounds a little gross. If the cattle were pregnant, the calf fetus would be gone, but oddly enough, the placenta would still be intact within the, in the cattle. Okay. The cattle would usually be positioned with their front legs tucked under them, but the back legs sprawled out. So it was a deliberate position. Ufologists believe that they were being experimented on by aliens because blood would never be found at any of the crime scenes. University researchers were called in and they nearby had like started pouring in to be like, I want to look into this. They made note that almost every single one had operations that had to be performed with a surgical precision and surgical instruments. On many of the cattle, the heart would be destroyed, and it would be to the point where if you touched it, it would disintegrate. That's how destroyed it was, which also makes me feel like it was burned, it sounds like. Right, yeah. Because It what sounds else like would there's more it? chemical reaction than anything. So I'm really glad you bring up chemicals, because <laughs> that's true too, but... Weirdly enough, I forgot to mention about the heart. Kylie, medical me up here. What is the term for the membrane or sac that surrounds your heart and holds the heart in place? What is that? The pericardium. Pericardium? Okay. That was still entirely intact and normal, similar to the fetus part. How come they would take part and ruin it and then keep another part intact? How did that happen? I have no idea. So you mentioned chemicals and things. There were uh, copper deficiencies and potassium chloride that were evident in the animals each time. Also, there's a lot of times where the smell of sulfur comes important. It wasn't noted at this point in the cattle decapitations, but later it will be. 
it might have been that they didn't record it back then because we didn't necessarily know what that smell was. Cattle mutilation. Did I say decapitation? Yes, you did. (laughs) Thinking of music. Sorry, guys. (laughs) So it could have been said there was the sulfur smell. We aren't sure because it wasn't recorded. But investigators claimed that this phenomenon of all these procedures had to be done with lasers. You like the way I said lasers? Lasers. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was so, like, precise. Yeah. They had to feel like that this wasn't done by a person. So they figured extraterrestrials were doing this. And when they finished with the bodies, they would just toss them onto the ground. And that's why we found the cattle like this. But they thought that this was a hot spot for cattle mutilation at this point. I wonder what the cattle are thinking at night. They're like, well, who's going to who's going to be tonight? You know what it reminds me of, Corey? Guess what? You get to throw another Toy Story clip here. (laughs) The claw. The you haven't even seen Toy Story. <laughs> it comes on my TikTok page a lot. Just that sound <gasps> bit. And I had to find out what it was. The claw. The cattle are just sitting there and they see the beam start and they're like, oh, time for the claw. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's your time tonight, Harry. Except they think of it as like a god. Uh-huh. Not. Not scary. No. Well, the cattle probably don't think it's scary. They don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, they do. They like, oh, my know. friend is dead now. Hanging out without his genitals. Maybe they didn't see it. They were already back and they were like, oh, well, he got taken to a different farm. Because, you know, they, they cleaned it up before they let the cattle out the next day. They're like, oh, shit. Henry's dead. Got to fucking clean him up. I think I called him Harry. Either way. Uh, we said we weren't going to get derailed today. Guess what, guys? We lied. <laughs> it's easy to get derailed when you're having like a fun conversation like well you're talking about toy story so oh about two (laughs) but like when we talk about like serial killers we're like okay i'm sorry how do we derail what we talk about one gun versus a different gun right but here we're like aliens aliens let's fucking go off track (laughs) (laughs) so to put us back on track i'm gonna start a new time period it's 1944 so two miles north of the ranch they say that they saw a large silver globe-like object flying over Fort Duchesne. Supposedly, this has an explanation, though. Not long before this was the Doolittle Raid and Secret Balloon Wars. Kylie, be my history buff here and tell them what this event is. Okay, so the Doolittle Raid, Tokyo Raid, also called was an air raid on April 18th of 1942 by the U.S. on the Japanese capital, Tokyo, and other places on Honshu during World War II. The raid was planned by, led by, and named after Lieutenant Colonel James Doolittle. The raid killed about 50 people in Japan, including civilians, and injured 400. As a result, this started the balloon bomb offense war by the Japanese as a retaliation. At the time, the Japanese developed the balloon bombs. These were made of paper or rubberized silk that they would launch into a natural jet stream that would carry the balloons across the Pacific Oceans and onto American soil, filled with hydrogen and attached to an incendiary device. The first operational launches took place on November 3rd of 1944, 
And two days later, a U.S. Navy patrol boat spotted a balloon floating on the water off the coast of California. Japan launched some 9,000 balloons during a five-month period. Most were reported in the northwest United States, but some balloons traveled as far east as Michigan. On May 5th, 1945, six picnickers, included, including children, were killed in Oregon when a balloon bomb they found in the woods exploded. The U.S. government quickly publicized the balloon bombs, warning people not to tamper with them. And these were the only known fatalities, and the Japanese halted their balloon attacks in April of 1945. So that's a lot of information, but it gives explanation. They figured the strange orbs back then that they were seeing in the sky. It's so fascinating, though. Like Were balloons. Right. But that also explains something else. The explosions people heard. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was due to these wars and these balloon bombs and things like, like that. Randomly going off. Yeah. Which, okay, wow. Yeah, that's a super logical explanation. There is one thing that I find Science. a little, <laughs> little untrue about that. So this balloon bombs was in the 1940s. But they said that they started hearing the like explosions on the land all the way back from 1906 Mm -hmm. to 1911. They heard the most of them, but they heard them all the time. So, yeah, that does explain a lot, but not everything. It still baffles me, like how they came up with that. Oh, that's such a far area to cover with a freaking balloon and how do you know that it's gonna made of rubberized silk carried through a jet stream right i would just think it's just gonna blow up in the middle of the jet stream or like yeah or like you know over the ocean that it has to go over that is or (laughs) how does it stay on track what if there's a bad weather day that just sounds so mathematical as much as that gives explanation it doesn't explain everything So we're going to flip to another time period, 1945 to 1961. At this point, again, we change ownership. I told you it happens a lot. And we are trying to go over quite a few owners today. That's why each time I'm kind of warning you when we're flipping time periods. So I'm trying to each time break up what's happening in the ownership so that maybe we can pinpoint who's saying what. So in the 1945 to 61 time period, We go to Benton Locke being the owner, and he had property alongside the Myers family. Benton Locke is related to Christopher Locke, who had been reporting in the past. Now, as he takes over, unusual events begin to occur in the Unitaw Basin in the 1950s. There were numerous reports of UFOs that continued throughout the next several decades, up until pretty much now. So during 1967 and 1968, they reached their all-time high. There were hundreds of reports that included strange light sources, fireballs in the sky, and strange aircrafts. People even claimed during this time they were abducted by aliens. Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) The UFOs ranged in size from 20 feet across to being as large as a football field. That's very large. That's huge. Like if I saw something Wouldn't like that, that take over the whole town. Right. Like if, if I saw that in the sky, I'd be like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. I would not think I'm crazy. I would definitely believe in aliens. Right. At that point. I 100%. mean, I do believe in aliens, but I would really believe in aliens. Right. <laughs> exactly. They were described as being round or oval or cigar shaped or triangular or sometimes just flashes of light. 
I like how it's cigar shaped and not like cylinder shaped. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, it's like a cigar in the People plot. always call in it cigar sky. shaped too. It's kind of funny. Because in, in part three, I'm going to go over some of the reports that happened. And literally people will be like, yeah, it was shaped like a cigar. Okay, cigar shaped. So Nodding cylinder? The cylinder, right? Okay, got it. So they said some were surrounded by glowing green lights. Others would emit wavy red beams. And others appeared to shoot colored lights from their underbellies. Like, I want to see it, but I'm also terrified to see it. Oh, so, yeah. like, I want to see it. I 100% believe in aliens. And, like, mm -hmm. I think it's funny because usually it's the people that believe in aliens would get, like, abducted and stuff like that. Because you have to believe to see, I feel like, a little bit. But at the same time, I want to see them. Don't really want to be abducted. Right. Uh, can we, like, get a deal? Can I just see you from afar? Right, exactly. Maybe capture a pick pick. Can I just be a fly on the wall for Betty and Barney Hill? Yeah. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll be the person who's writing down Travis Walton's story during Fire in the Sky. It'll be great. Yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> also, I wanted to bring this up, but I don't want to ruin my own sentence. When I hear the, the term emitted wavy red beams, instantly my fingers do little wiggly motions. <laughs> and I think of the sound like... <laughs> it just makes sense. Like... Little wavy red beams. Like we were talking to Damon about how we wanted the <laughs> when we were like trying to tell him how we want the theme song created. We were like, imagine like uh, you know, like little wavy alien noise, and he's like, What's the what the hell is a wavy noise? We're like, you know, a wavy noise. It was it was great. But you know, he created a kick-ass theme song for us this month. No, for real. The Skinwalker theme song, he's he's killing it, knocking these theme songs out. Someone commented to us and was like i love that you guys change your theme song every month and we were like that that actually wasn't our goal um but you know what we'll ask damon and we're like so damon you know how you now we're kind of in did. love with the idea but damon's like okay <laughs> Damon's like, yeah cool let me just rearrange my whole life schedule no big deal what one do you need now <laughs> so we sent him a giant email with like a billion noises we need and we're like okay can you get these to us in the next month <laughs> Yeah, that'd be great. So, you know, if you ever are in the mood thinking you need a, a your own theme song made, we we know who to we know who to call. Not the Ghostbusters. <laughs> are you sure? The Damon Busters. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> this went way out of left field. Okay. So, in 1967 to 68 to sum back up where we were, the all-time high of these UFOs being called in. That's what we were talking about. We talked about what they were shaped like. We talked about what we think happened. All right. Due to the location of where this property is, there's a potential solution here. Again, solutions to the problems, potentially. It's on the Ute Reservation. So yeah, with it being on this Ute Reservation, what it means is that it gives reservation to folklore again. Now, the Native American folklore of this area is called Star People. That's fun. Actually, so cute. Although it reminds me of Rosaline is maybe her name. Maybe she's not a star person. I've never really played Mario games, but she has a star friend from oh. Mario, the girl in the blue dress. She's a star person, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> People who do play Mario are like, oh, you are so stupid. I play Mario, but I don't know who you're talking about. Well, she has a friend and it's a star and she carries it around with her and it's really cute. So star people are the ancestors of various tribes that descend to earth from the heavens to impart knowledge to humans to assist them in the development of their species. 
kind of sounds like an alien. Yeah, a little bit. Sounds a little alieny to me. Maybe I'm not a ufologist, but giving my personal preference here. As the star people legends and folklore go, they say that that might be what the first sightings of the UFOs were. It was star people because the Ute still lived close enough that they were able to impart their knowledge being like, no, 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 no. Aliens don't exist. That's star people. And those folklore kind of came hand in hand with, is it aliens? Is it mythical ancestry? Like what is happening here? And because of that, because some people don't believe in folklore, it made the stories messy and it made them not get reported as much or taken seriously because they're like, oh my God, these people are crazy. They're believing these ancient folklores that don't exist, you know, and people kind of ignored it. <laughs> not all alien reports ended up being the reasons why things happen, but around the same time, conveniently, Benton Locke ended up selling the western portion of the ranch to the Myers for $5,000 and transferring the ownership to Kenneth and Edith Myers. Now, again, the western portion is where he sold. Mm -hmm. The western portion is the... Is creepy. Western. Wild. Wild western. Wild west. Wild west. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. We should have made a joke. When I roll into the... Wild, wild west. When I stroll into the... Wild, wild west. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of just did. I never put that together until this moment. Okay. Also Will Smith. All... We should have Will Smith narrate this for us. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we love Will Smith. I stuff. love that movie. Did I tell you it's on HBO Max? I asked. I was going to ask if you want to watch it the other yes. day. Yes. Yes, I do. I also really want to watch all the Men in Black movies lately because we keep talking about it. I want to see the new one. I haven't seen it. I haven't either. We need to They're not it. on anything. I already checked. <laughs> Corey, we need you to buy some movies. <laughs> the Myers started developing the land after they had gotten the ownership of it. And they became the new owners, building a lot more farmhouses and developing the property a lot more. This took place from 1961 to 1994. So we're getting really into the almost like current time period. That sounds weird. <laughs> of us. <laughs> yeah. I, that sounds weird to call it current time period. But at this point, we're narrowing it down to only three owners. The Myers... And then the next two owners. I don't want to give it away yet and tell you who they are. You might already know, but it'll be more interesting if I keep elusive. <laughs> so they leased a three room home on the ranch during their occupancy. And they made no reports of strange occurrences. Okay, well, that's the end of the episode. See you next next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye. Glad you stuck with us. Okay, so maybe they didn't say a lot that was happening. But during this time period of the 1970s, the Utah Highway Patrol, which is right near this, got a ton of calls about UFOs and they got so many. The troopers just stopped filling out incident reports. <laughs> they were, yeah, that's how it works. They were done. They were bored. Called it a day. At the same time, all the local ranchers that were near Skinwalker Ranch were reporting bizarre cattle mutilations a lot more frequently. At this point, a retired science teacher named Joseph Jr. Hicks from Roosevelt, Utah, investigated more than 400 UFO sightings from the Unita Basin. He found that the UFO appearances coincided on the same dates as cattle mutilations. Over the years, eyewitnesses saw living beings in windows or portholes that they believed to be UFOs in the sky. In the 1970s, other crazy things happened, and it became a hot spot for the ranch. 
like in the news, people were noticing the ranch again because of the amount of cattle, cattle mutilation hitting an all time high. Senator Floyd Haskell from Colorado ended up contacting the FBI because he said there were over 130 cases just from his state and that there were 8,000 cases in 10 years from Colorado near the basin. Skinwalker Ranch is in Utah, so keep that in mind, but it's close enough and it's also borderlining the basin. So they thought it was wild enough that they brought in the FBI and the FBI recognized that it was a real issue, but it went unsolved. So stuff weird is happening, but conveniently no one's saying anything weird about the farm. It's almost mm-hmm. kind of more weird that nothing weird's happening on the farm. It's like around it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh... Nearby that's areas. making us more nervous. Yeah. So there's a news article. There's actually many news articles. It's a great newspaper for this area because they archive everything and you can research it online. And they let you read the full copies. They show you the original dates, the original way it was published, everything. But I can't pronounce it. Kylie, what would you... Is it Desiree News? Because it's not dessert. And it's not desert, but it's in the desert. So is it the Desiree to be fancy? I really don't think it's Deseret. So I would think it's Desiree. So we're going to go into this calling it the Desiree News, but it's D-E-S-E-R-E-T. So maybe we're really bad at pronunciations, but we do talk about it a lot. So just know that's the Desiree News to us. In 1978, the Desiree News did release an article about mass sightings of a UFO that were only 10 miles outside of the ranch. Now, I said you can look at all the old archives. That one, it shows that there's an archive, but when you click it, it's deleted. It's Mm. the only one. But some people still have hard copies of this and have shown it in interviews and stuff. So that is a little suspicious, but it could have been like an error. Maybe they had a lot of typos. Maybe something happened where that news reporter got fired. There could be logistical reasons to it. Mm -hmm. Not going to give too much weight on that. In 1981, something else suspicious happened. NASA randomly built an observatory 16 miles northeast of the ranch. And it kind of happened haphazardly. There weren't any reports of it going to be built. And then one day they just started building. No one knew. No one even knew that they owned the property to Hmm. do this. These things could be entirely unrelated, but it was enough to get people talking. It is demolished, which I'll talk about in a second, and they dismantled it. But you can still see the spots in the ground where there's old plaques and stuff like that that Mm -hmm. even still say NASA and stuff, and you can research and see them. On April 26th, 1987, Kenneth Myers died, and Edith decided it was time to leave the farm. A little disclaimer, Edith did end up living until March 3rd, 1994, and she died peacefully in a nursing home. No. Feel good moment. Feel good. It was seven years until the family that next inhibited the ranch would buy it. So in 1994, Terry and Gwen Sherman purchased what would now become Sherman Ranch from a man named Garth Myers, who was Edith's brother-in-law. But during the time that it was unowned, that is when the dismantling of the NASA observatory happened in 1989. There were no reports of cattle mutilation or UFOs during this time. And the NASA thing got dismantled. And then all of a sudden people moved in and crazy stuff starts happening again. Just a little odd. A little bit. Hmm. A little interesting. I know it feels like we're going over a lot in this episode, but now we're starting to get into the juicy stuff. 
I got some real juicy stuff coming up for you guys now. I would like give my soul to talk to someone that worked there. Right? Like. <laughs> All right. I tried. I actually did. I, I really tried this. So on the Skinwalker Ranch website, mm-hmm. you can write in an email and they reply. Here's the thing. It's always down for service, though. If you mm. email them, it says cannot comply right now. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Conveniently, all their contacts don't work. Interesting. Isn't that interesting, though? I was very upset. I tried a lot of things. I even tried to just ask, like, what is the square acreage of the property? Like simple, basic things to where they yeah. wouldn't like think I'm a bot, something, whatever. Right. And then I tried more complex questions like, has anyone on the property that currently works for the stations ever worked for a NASA produced station? Things I asked interesting things, boring things, nothing. Couldn't get it. Couldn't get it. I'm not really surprised, though. Super sketchy, Skinwalker. I'm looking at you. (laughs) So let's head out to the next owners. Terry and Gwen Sherman. Now, if you're a person that reads books, you're going to say, who the fuck is Terry and Gwen Sherman, (laughs) you lying whore? (laughs) Terry and Gwen Sherman are Tom and Ellen Gorman. <laughs> so when the book came out back in the day, originally, they used fake names in the book because the family was like, we can't handle the heat. We don't want this. And so people called them Tom and Ellen Gorman. But then the newspaper just blatantly said their names. <laughs> Whoops. And so did some of the uh, like news online reports. So everyone put two and two together and now right. everyone knows their real names are Terry and Gwen Sherman. And so people just kind of like interchange the names. I am going to use Terry and Gwen Sherman. Normally I would use the fake names out of respect, but since they do interviews and things nowadays, I feel like it's okay to use their names. So I will do that. In the summer of 1994, the ranch had sat idle for seven years. Terry and Gwen Sherman purchased the ranch where they moved from New Mexico with their son and daughter. Their son doesn't have a precise age. It just says teenager. And they also use the name Tad for him in the book. I don't know his real name. And the daughter was said to be between eight to nine years old. The farm was 480 acres at this point, and it still bordered the Unita and Ure Ute Indian as reservations, protected by long rock, red rock, ridge. <laughs> oh. Wow, it's a lot of R's. <laughs> long rock. No. Long red rock ridge. Yes. Oy. <laughs> it took a long while for the Shermans to remodel the old house and move in. Here's why. There were deadlocks and chains on the inside and outside of the house. I don't like that. On the front and back doors. I would not buy a house that's like that. Weird, right? Okay. No, let's get weirder. There were bars on the windows. Nope. The windows were also bolted closed. Nope. The closet doors were bolted closed. No. The kitchen cabinets were bolted closed. That's weird. Weird. At both ends of the house, there were giant iron stakes with heavy chains on it that were installed. Weird. So Terry was- Like holding the home down? No, no, no. Just like there as if they were catching things or something. Okay. So Terry, being the optimist young sweet Terry is, love him. He said, oh- they kept their large guard dogs there, obviously. obviously oh, yeah. That's the they just, yeah, they had guard dogs. That With were... large chains and iron stakes. Oh, my God, Terry. So they I... were dire wolves. <laughs> <laughs> I need whatever he is sipping on to be this optimistic. Right. <laughs> also, if that wasn't weird enough, before they moved in, Terry noticed there were circular depressions in the pastures west of the home. 
He's like, oh, yeah, someone probably removed a tree there. Wild West. Wild West. (laughs) If those things weren't weird enough. (laughs) Kylie's like, there's more. In the real estate clause, there was a note that had to be signed that said, no digging on the property without consulting the previous owner. Ooh. You live on a ranch. How do you not? How do you not dig? dig? Well, I mean, like digging and like sowing crop is different. I, think. I don't know. But I feel like sometimes when you're setting out your farmland, maybe there's an old tree that was taken down or something. You got to get where the roots are. You got, you got to dig at times. Like, yeah, also, I guess. So why would I buy 480 pro- acres property and then be told I can't even dig on it? I feel like right. you're going to dig at some point. Like, dig a well even. Define digging. Like, are we talking about like you can't dig? There was probably a, a specific clause. Yeah. Is it like you can't go past like two feet? Eight you can't feet go past four or, feet? Right. Exactly. But also, if you live in the farm back in this time, aren't you digging a well? Don't you have to have a water source? Oh, it was probably already there. So what? Do you have to ask? I, it just seems sketchy. I mean, everything about that seems sketchy. Right. Well, the Sherman family couldn't really decide if it was sketchy enough for them because before they even could deal with this, They had their first recognition in the community. Kylie, it's so interesting because I don't know if you remember this story from what you know about Skinwalker, but you just mentioned dire wolves. Mm -hmm. This is the dire wolf story. No, I know. (laughs) Okay. So the Sherman spotted a large coyote or wolf in the pasture on the way to the livestock pen. It should be mentioned that wolves are rare and technically extinct in that area at this time period. They only repopulated recently. So that makes this whole story even like more hard to believe that it could be something not paranormal. I mean, it is like the desert, so that would be very difficult for them to survive. Yeah. Well, this wolf creature that was also abnormally large ran up and grabbed a calf by the nose and tried to drag it through the bars of the fencing. Terry and his father began to beat the animal to release the calf, but they were unsuccessful. Uh, I think they used baseball bats. Don't quote me. Terry ended up realizing that it wasn't working so he ran back to his vehicle and got his 357 magnum and shot this animal at point blank range but the wolf was still holding on to the calf by i now think it's feet um hooves those are what (laughs) (laughs) hooves i was trying to mimic it but i couldn't figure the word out (laughs) so he released another shot at this point it finally released the calf but it just stood there calmly staring at these men So he shot it a few more times and the animal just walked off. No blood, no sign of injury. You can't tell me he shot this animal more than more than two times and it not have any blood. Mm -hmm. The two men followed the tracks of the animal for about a mile and then it suddenly ended as if the creature vanished. A few weeks later, Gwen was driving and she encountered she actually called it a dire wolf. But she said a wolf creature that was so large, it's back when standing on all fours was even with the top of her car window. Nope. I thought Shira was large, but <laughs> holy cow. This large wolf was accompanied by another dog-like animal that she couldn't even identify the creature. In April of 1995, Terry stepped out of the house to check on a cow that was giving birth in a field south of the home He noticed lights in the field and he assumed maybe they were a recreational vehicle or like kids from a neighboring farm riding a four wheeler or something. But then he was like, no, that's impossible because the ranch is isolated with over three miles from the main road. 
and it's cut off by a creek and the rock ridge. So he had no other explanation for what he saw. Gwen didn't see this one, but she had a sighting of her own a few months later. So now we already have these strange wolf creatures and some UFO potential light source reportings. In the months following, the Shermans saw tons of lights, flying objects, and one night they saw over a dozen just on that evening. The sightings would generally occur during a new moon or if the sky was overcast or stormy. On another occasion, the Shermans saw a hyena-like creature attacking one of their horses. When they described it, they said it was low to the ground, heavy-muscled, and perhaps weighing 200 pounds with curly red hair and a bushy tail. 200 pounds. For a hyena? That's very large. Are hyenas even in that area either? These are just unreal. So like Shiro's 80 pounds. Oh my God. So 200 pounds is very, is very large. Shiro, you are getting so much recognition in this episode. Good thing we posted (laughs) photos of you. Right. People will be like, what's a Shiro? (laughs) Check the Instagram if you guys don't know what we're talking about. Saber's not the only mascot around these parts. Around these parts. Yeehaw, partner. (laughs) Back to the ranch. (laughs) As Mr. Sherman approached the animal, it vanished right before his eyes. So afterwards, they checked the horse and they found claw marks all over his legs. Poor horsey. That sounds painful. A few months later, a neighbor reported seeing a similar beast running across their property towards Sherman Ranch. The Shermans and their neighbors reported seeing multiple strange animal-like creatures in the area. These included exotic, multicolored birds that were not native to the region, or tall, dark beasts that resembled Bigfoot and Sasquatch. Again, now we're adding a whole nother layer of what the hell is on Skinwalker Ranch? Multicolored birds not native to the region? That's so weird. I didn't so even crazy. hear that one. Like, that's that's crazy. I've listened to so yeah, many I've never seen. I've never heard and that. And I didn't hear that one, but I was reading the book and I was like, the fuck? Gotta put that in there. Weird. Right? So another, I have so many sources, by the way, guys. I'm going to listen at the end of each episode because if you guys get as deep in this as we do, I'm going to list you the ones I deem best. They are not obviously the best. I have personal opinions, but it's what I used for these specific ones. And I'm really going to throw out every single piece of evidence, my source wise, because if you want to get in deep, I got you. Also, you can get really deep on Reddit in the Skinwalker posts, (laughs) but also people are a little toxic on there. I don't know if you know what Reddit is, but it is a cesspool for all the unhappiness in the world. You can get really deep on Reddit about a lot of things. Yeah, I fell in a Reddit hole the other night about um, charcuterie boards. There's nothing wrong with charcuterie boards. No, that was a good hole. Okay, good. Oh, it was stressful, though. Back to the ranch. I want to do that every time we get off track. Back to the ranch, (laughs) y'all. Let's go. So another story came from a couple. Oh, this story. It scared me the first time I heard it. So another story came from a couple. They were driving past the ranch around nightfall, and they saw a dark humanoid creature running towards the ranch that was keeping pace with the car. It was at least seven feet tall and not exactly human, but that's all they could recall from the event to tell. I have chills all over my body. Uh, that's that's a skinwalker. Yeah. That's, that is a skinwalker. Yeah. On May of 1955, during a thunderstorm. Nope. 
1995. What did I say? 55. Oh, time warp. A little off. <laughs> Once in May of 1959. No. <laughs> no. I thought I could correct it if I swapped them again. Once in May of 1915. Dear Lord, 1995 during a thunderstorm. <laughs> I went with 1915 this time anyways. 1995. May. The time period is set. After we were born. Yeah. Yeah. We were alive. We're, so not we the are, 50s. Yep. Nope. <laughs> there was a thunderstorm. Terry and his son believed that they may have communicated with one of the crafts. As they traveled west upon a ranch road one evening, they saw a lighted object duck behind Rock Ridge as if to avoid them. Moments later, they managed to sneak up on the object. But before it could hide again, they stood, started waving their arms at it. And the light flashed on and off three times as if signaling them and then disappeared. There is a side note to that story where it says mm -hmm. that it signaled them back and it started to chase them and that Terry ducked behind a rock and it lost them and disappeared. So, Why would you sneak up on this thing? Like, <laughs> you got to find out somehow, don't you? I mean, I suppose, but it's the West. <laughs> it did happen in the West. Yep. And we know... We know the West is the wild part. The wild West. Wild West. So soon after sightings began of these unidentified flying objects, also known as UFOs. UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> the Shermans found one of the cows dead in a field. It was reported to look like a cow just laying down. But on inspection, when they got closer to it, they noticed this cattle had a particular pecular hole in the center of the left eyeball, and all the blood was drained from the animal. Mm. There was no evidence of predators, footprints, or tire tracks. Only a strange chemical-like sulfur odor present. It's very, like, cows are large animals. Uh-huh. That is a lot of blood. And they're blood. pretty noisy. They... Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, they were probably sedated of, of some sort. If you need to know what a cow sounds like, <laughs> reference our theme song by the great Damon Vakovsky. <laughs> we can't cows. go into that. <laughs> That's a whole tangent we'll save for another year. <laughs> so that was one of the first ones that they said that was like super abnormal that has zero explanation. Well, it's just like a lot of blood. A lot of blood just gone. Just gone. Well, later another dead cow was found. With a similar left hole, nope, similar hole in the left eye, I'm sorry. And this one had a six inch hole, but it was an inch deep and it was carved out of his rectum. Mm, the yummy. same chemical spell was noticeable. Mm, yummy. <laughs> this is where they started noticing the most cattle mutilation happening on the ranch. The cattle mutilations had been reported across the United States since 1960s, particularly in the Western states. In classic mutilation cases, I'm sorry, in classic mutilation cases, the anus is cored out and the cow's udders or genitalia are removed. And it's all done with laser-like precision with no visible signs of blood. So these are similar to all the other sightings. The Shermans, who were keeping close watch on their cattle at this point, believed that they could have interrupted the mutilators and that's why they weren't able to finish. The Shermans noticed that it got more strange because 
Now the cows just started disappearing altogether. <laughs> like, nope, we're just going to take them away. <laughs> they pointed out to the news and to the reports that there was mutilation. So the aliens were like, fuck y'all. You're going to take us. Them. We're just going to scoop them up. <laughs> the scoop. Including an instance where one of them appeared to be lifted from the snow directly where it stood. There were hoof prints leading into the field, but then they stopped near an edge, near some trees. And then there were no footprints leading away and the cattle was just gone. And with the area where the cow was taken, the last steps were surrounded by a circle of broken twigs. And if you looked up, all the treetops were cut off as if there was like a beam or something. Mm-hmm. Or like something. Yeah. <laughs> Burned something. The last of the three dead cows was found in January of 1966 in a clump of trees on the edge of the same field. This cow had been seen alive by the Sherman's son five minutes earlier. It had a six inch wide, 18 inch deep hole carved out of the rectum this time. This one extended all the way to the body cavity. Yeah, that's a large hole. It just keeps getting more intense if you realize. Mm -hmm. So there was no blood on the cow or on the snow and the same chemical odor was present. And again, the circle of twigs around the fallen cow where the trees atop were severed. The cattle deaths and disappearances were a huge issue for the family. Not just psychologically, because like they were stressing out, but financially, this was starting to wreck them. Stop it. Get it like a rectum, like the joke or the Uh joke. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in June of 1966. No. Stop doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Dude. (laughs) We are alive. (laughs) We are alive. So in June of 1960. No. We're still alive. I don't know about you, but I was not alive in 66. (laughs) 1996. 1996. So in June of 1996. The Desiree News posted an investigatory article with the follow-up articles hitting the Las Vegas Mercury telling stories of the ranch. So this first news article is called Frequent Flyers, but flyers is like things flying in the air. It is by the Desiree News. It was published on June 30th in 1996. I'll let you know when we're done with this news article. We're going to pull a few quotes from it. For a long time, we wondered what we were seeing. If it was something to do with a top secret project, I don't know really what to think about it, said Terry Sherman for the article. He described, They once discovered three circles of flattened grass, each about eight feet across, in a triangular pattern about 30 feet from one another. In a nearby pasture, other strange soil impressions had been found. Circles about three feet wide, and a foot or two deep with the dirt in the center perfectly flattened. One of the flying lights had followed Gwen's car on her way home from work one night. And while out in one of the fields with the family dogs, Terry heard male voices speaking an unfamiliar language. The voices seemed to be about 20 feet, 25 feet above him, but Terry couldn't see a thing. Yeah, the dogs are frantic. They barked and growled before running off home to the ranch house. Terry said. The Shermans had linked the sightings 
with the death or disappearance of seven of their cows. Four had disappeared without a trace. Three others, dead and partially mutilated. The Shermans also said they knew of other ranchers who were having similar issues with their cattle. But the reports to the police were ignored. The records clerk for the county sheriff's department said her department has not received reports of UFOs or cattle mutilations during most of this time. So that's the end of the news article. That really well actually also sums up, Kylie, like everything we've heard. That was a beautiful accent, by the way. Oh, thanks. I actually worked on it the other day so that it could be my accent for this whole endeavor. I was practicing. I'm so bad at Southern accent. Like, I always end up going British or just sound really like, what's the word I want? Like, hick? No, like, um, hmm. I don't know. I'm really good at my Gru impersonation. That's my that's my winning <laughs> accent. I'm really good at doing Gru from Despicable Me. I'm just really, really good at British. <laughs> that's it. So after the article was written, other strange things were happening to the family during their life at the ranch. Six of the cats all went missing on the same night randomly. It's a lot of cats. There's a lot of cats to go missing <laughs> one night. Like one or two. Okay. But also, even if like six went missing over time, understandable. But six in one night? Right. Weird. Pastors on the farm would have unexplainable lights throughout the night and the sounds of heavy machinery that could be heard as if it were operating underground. There was poltergeist type activities that were occurring, such as items disappearing to reappear later, strange disembodied voices. They were speaking unfamiliar languages. They were voices heard from above, crop circles, flattened grass. Pretty much anything and everything scary and spooky. Like, I think I could be a friend to a ghost. But, like, <laughs> as soon as you put, like, poltergeist-type things, I'm out. So I am not going to deal with that. They say poltergeist-type things, but the ones that I heard didn't sound that scary. There was one oh. instance where the Shermans went to get groceries, and the wife, Gwen, had, like, went outside and was bringing them inside and then once she had all the groceries inside she turned around started putting them in the cupboards she turned back around and they were back out in her car and then when she like went outside she came inside and all the doors were open or some like things like that i'm kind of paraphrasing not, that one, okay that's but, not super bad like but they weren't i could maybe ominous. be friends with that yeah but like the the serious poltergeists that are like throwing shit. I'm like, nah, brah. Like, I don't want this in my face. Like, so... I'm okay with you being annoying. Just don't be like scary. Right. Exactly. It's like living with a toddler. I'm okay with it. But when you start screaming, I don't want you near me. I'm done. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. So there were a lot of crazy things happening at the Sherman's ranch at this point with all those combined. One of them crazy. Two of them. Okay, three of them starting to get a little unexplainable, all that paired together. People were like, what the hell? But there was a final straw. There's always a final always. straw. Mm -hmm. This one is a final straw. And it has a weird story behind it. So it was May 1996. I got the date right for you, Kylie. <laughs> I, I had that mental note in my head earlier when you said it correctly, too. 
When Terry was outside with three of his dogs, he noticed a blue orb darting around in the field near the ranch house. So he said, like, come on, dogs, let's go chase it. You know, he sent the dogs to chase it. The dogs were chasing and barking at the orb, but they followed it into some really thick brush. While in the thick brush, Terry heard them make three individual terrible yelp. So I hate dog yelping. One after another. That's just like the heart-wrenching noise. Like, I cannot, I can't. It's. I can't. It's when you're a tentative dog parent, it's a fear to yeah. hear that noise. It's just like if a child was Yeah, like, because screaming. you're emotionally attached to this creature. Exactly. So he heard these, and when he called for them, they didn't respond. He did not feel it was safe to go out in the dark where he couldn't see, like in that thick brush. So he's like, okay, maybe if I go home, they'll return home. Maybe I'll see him in the morning, something. I can go looking for him. So he went home. The next morning, him and his wife went out. They were searching. And he went to where the dogs were last seen, and he found three gooey lumps of, like, stuff on the ground that mimicked, like, shortening or butter. And they were near round, scorched fire spots on the ground. The dogs were never seen from or heard from again. And it appears as if they were almost liquefied. Nope. I don't have an. I. I it's always it's of an the last straw. The last straw would be with my dogs. Like nope. But I can't even think of something logical that could be. I ca- I can't like scientifically. Yes. You mean? Yeah. I can't create a personal logistical reason that could happen. Logistical, logical. Correct me. What's the word there? logical logical reasoning yeah so this was the final straw however i did hear of some stories that may have occurred and the reason i'm prefacing it like that is because these are telephone tag game at this point terry told some of them to local news stories but some to friends things like that so he heard from him who heard from him this and that Mm -hmm. but i'm just gonna give you a rundown they might be true they might not here you go Supposedly, a local Indian shaman was a friend of Terry's, and he told him that there were tribal songs about the spirits and spooks of the ranch going back over 10 generations, and the shaman said that the area was unholy ground on the path of the skinwalkers. Another story was that on one of the final days living on the ranch, the family saw a man who identified himself as a naval intelligence officer from North Carolina. The man sympathized with their situation, and had great interest in reviewing their photos and videos of all the paranormal things that occurred during their time on the land. Another story. The Shermans found a different man lurking around the property in a white four-wheel drive vehicle, but every time they saw the vehicle, it had different plates on it. They had a heated confrontation, and Terry took the man's photo and determined later that the man was an agent with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations out of Hill AFB. Pretty, if that's true, that's a pretty well-known person thing. Like, that's a pretty good title to keep. With the plates changing every time, does that mean, like, every time that they saw him, like, roaming around in the same event? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. That's interesting. And on the final day of the ranch, there was another story that Terry and Gwen woke up that morning and found their bedding covered with blood. And they both did have a wound, but this wound was only a one-eighth inch deep 
scoop mark in the same place as their right thumb, not near enough to make their bed filled with blood. Okay, but that one <laughs> little mark, that one little—it's—it's it's like a punch biopsy. Like no, yeah. Mm-mm. So again, those are kind of rumored, but keep them in the back of your mind because you know they could be true. We don't know yet. I just or like feel it on know. my thumb now. Same. <laughs> you want to tell them how you did that? <laughs> there was a there was a knife stuck in our garbage disposal, and so I decided to reach my hand in. Literally, this happened just not that long ago, like an hour ago. So I decided to reach my hand in the garbage disposal towards the knife to grab it, and I sliced my finger open on my thumb. Sigh. I was just trying to get in the mood for the story, Kylie. Oh, Jeez. okay. <laughs> well, Understand what it. they went through. The dog story, though, actually is the last straw story that we have record of Terry himself telling. So that's the one that we will go with saying it's the last straw. Within three months of that event and the newspaper being having another publication, the Sherman family decided it was time to sell the farm. This time they sold the farm to a Las Vegas real estate tycoon and UFO enthusiast named Robert Bigelow. Bigelow bought the property for $200,000 from the Shermans, and it was on contingency of a non-disclosure agreement with the Shermans, who agreed they would no longer talk any further about any of their events at the ranch. The deal closed in September, and again, there's a new owner of what's currently called Sherman Ranch. This time, the new owner already had his hands in the cookie jar of the paranormal, though, and he was hoping that this would further his studies to prove to the world there's something beyond just humans in this galaxy. And on that, I'm going to leave you. That's the end of the episode. <laughs> okay, bye. Stay tuned. Later. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll pick up on who Robert Bigelow is and what all happens next. Because really, we're only to um 1995-6-ish. Isn't like $200,000 kind of a lot at this point right now, too? In the mid-1990s? It's 1996 during oh, yeah, that. I guess it's really. It's know. not that much for how much land that is, it's really. A fuck ton of land. But I don't think he would have gotten a better deal at the time. Well, didn't the Shermans get it for really cheap? $5,000. Yeah. <laughs> so they made some money. <laughs> yeah. So when I earlier had said I would list all my resources, I did go through a lot. I'm going to just just let you know which ones I did. I read the Hunt for the Skinwalker book by Cole May Keller. It's phenomenal and it has such good stories because it comes from a lot of people that really did live on the ranch and work on the ranch. My mom got it for me for Christmas. Thanks, mommy. <laughs> um, there is the docu-series on Hulu. It's eight episodes long, Secret of the Skinwalker Ranch. The Project Blue Book Season 2 Episode 7 is pretty good. Hunt for the Skinwalker documentary is not very good, but it's on Hulu. Uh, the Desiree News Articles Archives. The Skinwalker website, which is www.skinwalkerranch.com, but specifically I use the timeline chart, the news article charts, the court document charts, the map charts, and the link charts because the link charts take you to different YouTube videos of real interviews with people from the farm and stuff. I also read Skinwalker Ranch, The Basin Files by Ryan Skinner and Cheryl Carter, and I read half their other book called digging into skinwalker ranch also by ryan skinner and cheryl carter and then i just read a few random stuff and then i also went on the reddit forum for skinwalker 
And I'm sure that was fun and exciting. It was stressful. (laughs) And I think that's about all I did research so far. (laughs) I had like the week off work. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If no one can tell, I had a whole week off work and I um, did nothing but sit on the computer and Every every 10 minutes, Kylie and Corey were getting a message in the group chat. So, guys, fell down a rabbit hole. <laughs> Today, we're learning about this. Yet another rabbit hole. Yeah. I'm a little bit of a chaotic mess lately. My dad, I told him that we were covering Skinwalker. He's like, oh, like what? And I was like, well, you can listen to it. <laughs> I can just tell I you. Tell you. <laughs> I was like, we're going through like the history and everything. He's like, oh, well, I watched like the documentary. And I was like, oh, I haven't watched that. Like, I'm not going to watch it until after this. <laughs> well, and we started off learning about the history because you got to know about the history to get to the mystery. <laughs> I really wanted to say my catchphrase. I <laughs> I've been waiting for it all day. That's my catchphrase, guys. No worries. Because <laughs> I like teaching you about history in every episode. But I always have to like determine if the history is actually worth you knowing or not. But this one finally was. Yeah, I think so. I think it's good. I guess there's something else we should talk about again. Should yes. We? Yeah. Um, okay. Just what like a little bit. Well, Wait. well, like your birthday's coming up. Oh my god! My, my, oh my god! It's four <laughs> days away. <laughs> that's so. That's so close. So close. I just want to premise that I bought your present like a month and a half ago and it's still not here. Loves it. So might have to do plan B. Hmm. But anyway, anyway, Athena's not the only one that deserves presents. We appreciate all of you. So do not forget to enter the giveaway. We have a post on Instagram explaining all of the rules and we explain them also in the Christmas character short episode. So if you didn't listen to that. Definitely go back and listen. And that one we're pretty funny in because we get to like quote <laughs> the office nonstop. <laughs> yes. That's why we like it. One of our favorite things. So we do want to make sure to remind you guys about that because it's it's coming up. It's this month. It's in January. And it's we like went, right now. Yeah. It's going on right now. There are people entered already. A lot. Quite a bit of people entered. Yeah. I was pretty proud. Mm-hmm. People were like, what? They were what? on it. Prizes? Let me let me hit the <laughs> prizes. So well, we wanted to say to remind you to to get on it. Come on. Have you entered yet? If not, you need to enter. It's a giveaway. It's free to enter. Why not do it? But we also want to say one of the prizes comes from our amazing, awesome artwork creator, Taylor. So let's give some shout outs and say thanks. Oh, well, you didn't say round of applause, but, okay. you know, or some round of applauses. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for our artwork by Taylor with Lab Monkey Creative on Instagram. Thank you for our amazing, always changing, wonderful theme songs, <laughs> Damon Volkovsky. We have our editing for our pretty much entire podcast. And a lot of our photos itself and taking our photos is Corey with core.media.photography on Instagram. They're all huge parts of the Cryptic Soup fam, and they all help us all the time. Give a little bit more of a shout out to Corey because he's going to just go crazy with these episodes. Also, Corey loves Skinwalker too. So we're trying to find a way to incorporate him because this is what got Corey into like paranormal stuff too. Yeah. And Corey's now having to sit here and listen to us rehash it all. And he knows everything. So he's probably like, oh my God, you didn't mention this. Oh my God, you did mention this. We also have listened to many different renditions of other podcasts skinwalker ranch so it's just like 
how are we going to do it? How are we going to go about it? And it's so difficult because once you start listening to all of them, you have to figure out where each person got each source. And sometimes they'll be like, well, I took it from the book. Well, I took it from the website. Mm -hmm. And they're super close, but they don't match. And so then you're like, God dang it. Now I got to read Or others just like (laughs) do only the history or others only do just the UFO. The fun like stories. Yeah. Yeah. And we're trying to do it all in a short time. Yep. (laughs) We're doing it all. So thank you guys so much for listening. Don't forget to follow the Instagram. Again, it has all of the information about the uh, the giveaway. So make sure you follow. That is one of the stipulations. So um, it is at Cryptic Soup Pod, where our DMs are always open for suggestions. So slide on in. Don't forget, it always helps us a huge amount. If you leave an Apple podcast review and rating, it can get you a shout out. We'll also just personally thank you probably if we if we don't we'll get to it. I promise we are so grateful when you guys do that. Yes, it helps us because it also gets our name out there and it gets us noticed, puts us on the review boards. And if you follow us on Spotify, it does the same thing. It gets us more noticed because it brings it to the attention of the Spotify app. So remember always to subscribe, follow, tune in, keep up with us. And we're going to see you for the next episode. Part two of. The Skinwalker Ranch. Stay tuned. This one dude I know who I'm friends with. He has a giant. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, it's. Des or something. He has a huge dark magician girl tattoo across either his leg or his arm. I can't remember. Checking microphones. Checking microphones. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to like harmonize. I thought you'd like that. (laughs) Checking microphones. Check, check, check. It's a little bit lower. Is this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? Then this is how I would talk normally. So I'm just going to make sure that this is okay. This is how I would talk normally. So and tell not, me how this sounds with Kylie. Not forwarding. Green meaning intense of the green varieties. <laughs> Hi, Corey. How are you, Corey? Hi, Corey. Hi, Corey. Bye. Miss you, Corey. Love you. Have a good day, Dad. Hang out with the terrible dog, Dad. <laughs> Don't forget to take Saber out. Saber's part of the family. Saber needs to poo. Saber loves you. <laughs> and someone mentioned Hootie Hootie. Ew. <laughs> ew. Ew. Gross. No. Bad. Oh, my God. I fucking hate sneezes normally. And now it was intensified with the fucking washing winds of a thousand storms. <laughs> I didn't even like think of that until I sneezed. I was like, oh, you're not going to like that, are you? (laughs) I feel like a dog when something's stressed out. I just kept shaking my head and stuff. Uh, Okay. You know, like in The Sims, have you played The Sims with 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 the pets? No. They randomly get like animosity towards something in the house it doesn't 
it's just one thing like a lot of times it's the dishwasher or the refrigerator and they'll just or the fireplace and they'll just like they'll walk by and be like (laughs) (laughs) yes that's you with sneezes (laughs) okay Corey (laughs) no you saber Pick a room and stay in it. <laughs> I'm not crazy. Okay. I'm not crazy, Kylie. <laughs> what the heck? I didn't hear it. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not wearing, you don't have ears. I don't have ears. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Back to people that have ears. <laughs> Are you good? You're fine? Okay. I always feel like I'm talking to a wall, but I'm talking to what's on the other side of the wall. Yeah. Well, that sounded fucking scary as shit. <laughs> I do talk to the walls a lot in this house, but it's because I'm talking to other things on the side of the wall that I can't get to. Mostly Shiro. Do you see someone slid into our DMs talking about how beautiful Shiro is, by the way? No. And someone else commented how beautiful Saber is. And I was like, yeah, too bad they don't know who the fuck Shiro is. <laughs> He's the devil. Okay. He's not the devil. He's just aggressive because he's a German shepherd and full of anxiety and he doesn't like other people in his and home. And the devil. He just doesn't like other people in his home. Plot twist. I live in the home. <laughs> Plot so twist. The issue here. <laughs> People are going to be like, what? I literally don't understand what that means. Corey's going to have to put this at the end and we have to we'll eventually someday. Maybe we'll eventually do like an Instagram live and we'll show you how we uh, how we live. Yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> okay. Whew. 